it happens to be that our uh, sermon series in last week, Andrea began with the new big. Uh, um, begin again as the theme. And uh, today she is the one who's actually going to be reading the scriptures for us. And it comes from Exodus chapter uh, 35 and 36. It's a bit of a long reading. Um, but the context of this passage is that the Israelites have left Egypt. They are on the road. They've come to the mountain of the Lord. Moses went up the mountain. He was gone for a long time. They said, God's abandoned us, and they threw up their hands and decided that they were going to make a golden calf. They melted down some jewelry, and then they started worshiping a golden calf. Moses comes down the mountain and drops the Ten Commandments. They break apart, and uh, from that moment on, uh, Moses is like, you know, God, don't kill him. Please, God, don't kill him. Moses is like, the Lord says, why shouldn't I? Look at what they're doing. And Moses intercedes on behalf of the people, and God keeps his promise, his covenant promise to his people. And now they are moving towards building a temple. So here we go from Andrea, who's going to read the passage from Exodus. Exodus chapter 35 to 36 verse 7. Tabernacle construction. Instructions for the Sabbath. Then Moses called together the whole community of Israel and told them, these are the instructions the Lord has commanded you to follow You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on that day must be put to death. You must not even light a fire in any of your homes on the Sabbath. Offerings for the tabernacle. Then Moses said to the whole community of Israel, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take a sacred offering for the Lord. Let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord. Gold, silver, and bronze. Blue, purple, and scarlet thread. Fine linens and goat hair for cloth. Tanned ram skins and fine goat skin leather. Acacia wood. Olive oil for the lamps. Spices for the anointing oil and the fragrance incense. Onyx stones and other gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest's chest piece. Come, all of you who are gifted craftsmen, construct everything that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle and its sacred tent, its covering, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases. The ark and its carrying poles, the ark's cover the place of atonement, the inner curtain to shield the ark, the table, its carrying poles, and all its utensils, the bread of the presence. For the light, the lampstand, its accessories, the lamp cups, and the olive oil for lighting, the incense altar and its carrying poles, the anointing oil and fragrance incense, the curtain for the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering the bronze grating of the altar and its carrying poles and utensils, the wash basin with its stand, the curtains for the walls of the courtyard, the posts and their bases, the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs of the tabernacle and courtyard and their ropes, the beautiful stitched garments for the priest to wear while ministering in the holy place, the sacred garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests. 
So the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, and for the sacred garments. Both men and women came, all whose hearts were willing. They brought to the Lord their offerings of gold, brooches, earrings, rings from their fingers and necklaces. They presented gold objects of every kind as a special offering to the Lord. All those who owned the following items willingly brought them. Blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat hair for cloth, and tanned ram skins and fine goat skin leather, and all who had silver and bronze objects gave them as a sacred offering to the Lord. And those who had acacia wood brought it to use in the project. All the women who were skilled in sewing and spinning prepared blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen cloth. All the women who were willing used their skills to spin the goat hair into yarn. The leaders brought onyx stones and the special gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest's chest piece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense. So the people of Israel, every man, woman, who was eager to help in the work the Lord had given them through Moses, brought their gifts and gave them freely to the Lord. <laughs> then Moses told the people of Israel, the Lord has specifically chosen Bezaliel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. The Lord has filled Bezalel with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master of craftsmen, he is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He's skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He's a master at every craft. And the Lord has given both him and Oholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the <laughs> tribe of Dan, the ability to teach their skills to others. The Lord has given them special skills as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet thread on fine linen cloth and weavers. They excel as craftsmen and as designers. Chapter 36. The Lord has gifted Basilel, Oholiab, and the other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord has commanded. So Moses summoned Bazalel and Oholiab and all the others who were specifically gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their Work. They went to Moses and reported, the people have given more than enough material to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. 
So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. Well, uh, if I ever have to give a command like that, I will come in a duck costume and preach. Okay. All right? So there's your challenge. If you want to see me preach in a duck costume, uh, give so much that I have to give the command. Sorry, that's enough. Okay, just keep it. We've got enough. <laughs> but for those of you who are, uh, you know, skilled in some of the areas that you heard about here, right? Maybe sewing and uh, uh, you know, maybe you're the one who collects beautiful objects in your home or you're a skilled craftsman of some sort. You can kind of imagine the intricacies and the ornate nature of the tabernacle, which was a tent that was movable, right? So they had to set it up and take down. It's like early church planting, right? You had to roll in all the equipment and set it up and take it down. The, the, the uh, candle stands and the altars and the place of tent of meeting and the chairs and all of that, it all had to be rolled in, uh, set up. And when the Israelites moved, take down and moved on to the next place, they had to have special carrying boxes, just like we do here at Discovery Church. Uh, so it was kind of like the early church planting days. And eventually they got their own building, right? They gave, they built the temple. But one of the things that's so powerful about uh, this passage is the way in which God used each person their gifts and their talents in order to build the temple of God and to, uh, and to you know, give it such beauty and majesty as a place of worship, as a symbol. And in the New Testament, uh, the church is the place where God lives. And certainly that is within each one of you. Each of us is called to be as beautifully and wonderfully ornate in our spiritual gifts and in the evidence of the spiritual gifts, that we become so good and kind and loving and generous and passionate about Jesus and we're giving it to him all in all, that we just shine like a beautiful, beautiful thing. And the actual physical place where people meet, the church, is the, the New Testament representation of the Old Testament idea. And some churches have buildings. And like us, we have rented space. And other churches, they meet in people's living rooms. But they are holy spaces staffed, attended by, lived in, and gifted by people who have been gifted by God in different places and areas. Last Sunday, Andrea talked to us about first fruits, right? That God says, everything that is the first fruit, the first of what I've given you is mine, says the Lord. He said, there's no, you don't need a voice from God in order to decide whether or not 10% belongs to him. The Bible says it. You don't need, you don't need a, a voice from God if there's a verse from God, okay? Um, the Bible's very clear on it. 10% is mine, says the Lord. Some of you are working towards that. Some of you did. For, for AJ and I, it took us several years to... To, to get to that place where we gave 10%. And now we're at the place where we're giving more than that. And we're giving in addition to that. Andrea talked about first fruits. Today I want to talk to you about offerings. And that's what happened here in this passage. God said, I want you to build a temple. This tabernacle, this tent of meeting. And I want you to build it in such a way that it gives glory to me and is a gift from you, an offering from you. It's interesting, the original word here in the text of offering is to rise up. And in the old King James, it, the old King James says it, the offering is to be heaved up. <laughs> so it's almost like this. Okay, it's big enough that I'm going, 
and I need to put it out for God. I need to lift it up and heave it out for God. In this version, it just says offering. So it kind of loses some of the context of this. And it's almost as if it's, it, it, it requires of us something more than we are regularly capable of. It requires of us something that is a response to what God is doing in our lives. Uh, they gave in response to God's grace. What happened in their situation, right? Remember, just think about that. God rescued them from 400 years of slavery. That he had walked literally almost a million and a half people out of Egypt through the Red Sea. He gave them water in the desert, manna to eat, spared them from the raiding armies. He promised them a new land, which they were going to, but they had to stop and worship God on his holy mountain. And what did they do in the midst of it? They threw up their hands and said, God has abandoned us. When Moses took 40 days on the mountain <laughs> to receive the Ten Commandments. And God was ready to give up on them. And Moses intercedes and said, no, Lord, don't do that. What would the nations think? And God keeps his promise. It's a strange passage. And yet the people of God recognized that God could have wiped them out. And right after this, God says, seven days you're going to work. Or six days you're going to work. The seventh day is mine. Seventh day, one out of seven is mine. You're not going to cook food. You're not going to light a fire. You're not going to do any work. The seventh day is holy to me. It is mine. I want you to trust me that I'm going to provide for you on the seventh day. Think about this. They're in the desert. It's not like they had a Walmart around the corner where we could say, you know, run home after church and say, well, you know, I forgot to pick up groceries for Sunday and, and Monday's the holiday. And so I got to get a couple of things. No, no, none of that. It was no work on the Sabbath. Now, we don't hold such strict rules about that anymore because we believe that Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath and that we're called to rest and it's still a holy day. But these people were told, remember, I'm the one who's going to provide for you. I'm the one that's going to take care of you. If, if you work six days, I'm going to take care of you on the seventh. And that's why he starts out this passage about the temple with the reminder about the seventh day. And I think that we have lost sometimes the, the trail of thought in the scriptures that goes that God is still going to provide for me. Now, for some of you, you've never given before. Some of you are watching online and you've never given to Discovery Church or never given to a church before. Or some of you here. And you're thinking, but I don't, I don't have anything. I hardly have anything at all. The issue is not the money that you give. It's about the heart behind the giver. Some of you have given so regularly for so long that you don't even feel it anymore. I'm certainly in that spot where, you know, we've, we've adjusted our lifestyle to such an extent that giving the way we do doesn't impact us at all. It's just comes out of the bank account and we hardly think about it. Is my heart right? When it comes to giving? Am I really trusting God for the seventh day? Am I saying to God, you know, I'm so grateful for what you've done that my heart wants to give generously when it really doesn't cost me anything. Like, I mean, it costs me something, but I hardly notice. Where's the heart behind the giver? 
You know, this is two extremes, right? Uh, we can say, well, I don't have anything, so I'm not going to give anything. Or I've, you know, I've just, I've done it so regularly, it doesn't even, I don't even think about it anymore. I think God is saying to both sides and everybody in between, are you really grateful? Are you really living out the grace of God in your life? Are you really uh, aware of God's forgiveness? Are we aware of the indebtedness that we have because of God's grace? Are we living that out every day and saying, God, take what is yours. 10%, it's yours. I don't need a voice from heaven to tell me to give 10% because there's a verse for it. I don't need a voice if there's a verse. But there may be some times where you're asking me to reevaluate all of the rest that you have given me. And am I really grateful enough to give when it's, require. So here's a question for you. Um, Do you do this with your giving? Are you putting up the roadblock to God and say, yeah, but God, if you would give me more, then I would give more. (laughs) Or do you say, God, I've I've already given you 10%, so that's enough. (laughs) I think both of those things are dangerous for us. They gave out of the security of the Sabbath and they gave in the response to a very special vision. God wanted them to build a temple. Now, what's the vision for us here as a church? Moses put before them the vision of the tabernacle. And for us, that vehicle is the church. What's the vision for Discovery Church? We've said for many years that the vision of Discovery Church is to meet, uh, is to be a church for people who stop going to church or who have never been, never gone before. And we, as people who attend regularly, our main purpose is to encourage and engage with people who stop going to church and who have never been before and invite them to come. As a matter of fact, this last year, we have decided that our main focus is going to be on that group of people that thinks that church is kind of passe, right? I want to read to you what what we talked about. Uh, We've said that uh, the average non-Christian person in our context, the people who have very little real awareness or interest in Christianity, who can be suspicious of the church, they probably heard bad things. These people might be politically correct, socially aware, even open to spirituality. But to the average local person, you would find them at the pub or at a restaurant, and they would have hardly any connection to God or spirituality. That's who we're focused on. And so your giving to us as a church is intended to help us accomplish that, to train you as a group of people to do that, to grow you in your spiritual life, to make you disciple makers, but also to reach out into our community and to be a blessing so that others come to know Jesus. How do we do that? Well, one of the ways that we do that is we hold grow groups very regularly and ask you to participate because as you grow in your faith, You're going to be more excited about your faith and you're going to be more grateful about what God has done for you in your life and share that good news with other people. We've made the financial commitment to partner with Rehoboth for our high school youth, saying, look, we we need a dynamic youth ministry in our community. And so uh, Rehoboth, Maranatha, Hope Fellowship, and Discovery Church have the Clarington Youth Network. And and every week, literally dozens of kids from all over uh, the Clarington area, Jeremy here, who's here today, is one of them, and his family, and a whole bunch of kids from Discovery Church. And we have two leaders from Discovery Church who work diligently to bring across a vibrant, dynamic youth ministry in our community. We're, uh, we're doing things like a new members class at Discovery Church and inviting people to come. 
and we're inviting people to be uh, uh, part of sharing their faith story and learning how to share the faith story in the New Beginnings class and, and profess their faith and become new members. One of the things that we're doing as a church is we're uh, connecting with leaders. I, cur- I currently mentor five leaders within our church, three of whom have no connection to Discovery Church at all. Why, Pastor Martin, why would you do? Why would you spend your time there? Well, because I'm called to mentor and give the gift of leadership for the kingdom of God, not for the kingdom of Discovery Church. You, you understand what I mean? For the broader kingdom of God, I'm called to mentor and lead and, and mentor pe- leaders into new ministries. Some of them are for Disco- at Discovery Church. A couple of them are outside of Discovery Church. Jumpstart. Yesterday, I spent all morning with three churches in our classes teaching them how to start new ministries. It's easy for us as a church. We love to start new things. We do th- new things all the time. People look at us and go, I cannot believe all the things you guys are doing. Through COVID, we did twice as much, sometimes three and four times as much as every other church in this community. Not collectively, but individually. Just think about that for a second. This tiny little church did 14 different outreach events over the COVID period. And I know several churches that did zero. No community events. No fellowship. They just did Sunday morning services and nothing else. We as a church are committed to reaching out in our community. The Easter egg hunt, I don't know if you know this or not, but 300 people came to the Easter egg hunt and we were able to connect with 68 of them that we are now inviting them to be part of the process of the, uh, the food drive coming up. So we've got people outside of our church who are helping us with the food drive because they believe that we are good and that we are ministering to that group of people outside of our church that need to be told and shown and we model it, that we're not weird and that we're not crazy and we're not conspiracy theorists and that we love our community and we love people and we want to do things that just bless them and that they can be a part of being a blessing too. Over the last six months, we've been doing church Well, five months, I guess it's May. Over the last five months, we've been doing church here in person. I don't know if you know this or not, but a dozen brand new people have come to this church and participated with us. And, uh, you know, less than, well, about a third of them are coming back on a regular basis. This is how God is using the ministry of this church. God might be calling you to step out financially with your financial gifts. But he might also be asking you to step out uh, spiritually with your spiritual gifts. Just imagine all those ladies who were spinning goat hair. How would you like to spin goat hair? I don't know about you, but I don't think that that would be the greatest job in the world. (laughs) But some of the spiritual gifts that we're called to use are plain and ordinary and the things that we know how to do and the things that we do regularly. And they're not a stretch for us. They're just the things that we normally do. And for some, it's craftsmanship and beauty and the gift of time and energy and and the willingness to step in and say, hey, I will take on that responsibility. I'll volunteer here at this church so that we can get the message out to the world that Jesus loves them. So our vision is not just to disciple people, but to be a blessing to people. Just think about this last year for a minute. I want you to pay attention here because this is how you have been involved in the vision of the kingdom of God. We sent $12,000 to the refuge this last year. 
outside of our regular giving. So let's say that giving is your 10%, your first fruits. Beyond the first fruits, an offering has been called and the refuge is needing resources. And this group of people, this small church of 80 to 100 people gave $12,000 to the refuge. Six months later, we gave $18,000 to the fire relief fund for the, for the ripestress. Six months later. All while continuing to give our first fruits to Discovery Church. In that same period of time over the last year, we have given $13,000 to various causes. When you gave your first fruits, we said we are going to give our first fruits of that money and we're going to give it away. $13,000 we gave away in the last year to various causes, to World Renew and to Resonate and to uh, the Clarington Youth Network. And we gave it away to uh, World Vision and we gave it away to the... uh, Christian Assembly, the, um, uh, oh my goodness, the Native uh, Outreach in uh, Northern, uh, in Quebec um, with Ben Peltz. I can't really, Curve Lake Christian Assembly, that's the word. Curve Lake Christian Assembly in order to help him do the ministry. We gave two and a half thousand dollars to Stephen Vendelden as a missionary outside of our giving. All of those things are happening as offerings and first fruits. Offerings are the ones that are optional to you. But when you look at that passage, this scripture passage from today, when God called and said, I want you to build this tabernacle for me, they all went home and gathered up all of the resources that they had and they kept bringing them and they kept bringing them and they kept bringing them until Moses says, okay, that's enough. The workers are like, we don't need any more. Where did they get it from? I mean, they just left Egypt as slaves for 400 years. For some of you who know your Bible and know some of the the story behind it, when they were leaving Egypt, God opened up the hearts of the Egyptian people who gave to the Israelites as they were leaving. Just think, it's my family, I'm an Egyptian. I've got workers who are slaves. God is saying, let my people go. And finally, Pharaoh relents and says, you can go. And these people now give to those slaves gold, silver, jewels, scarlet, cloth. The supplies needed for them to trade, to buy food, and to build for the kingdom of God. God provided all that for them. He gave it to them so that they could bring it back to God as a gift to him. That's what an offering is. An offering is is a heaving out of our resources as a gift to the Lord that says, Lord, this actually is, is going to cost me something. It's going to require something of me. It's going to take faith that you're going to provide. And if I need to modify my lifestyle because I'm overdoing it in an area, maybe I need to narrow down what I'm what I'm spending so that I can give and be generous because of all that God has done for us. And don't forget that they gave not just their money, but their resources as well, their time and their talents, the gifts that God had given them. And they did it all in public. Just think about that. 
right? They came forward with the gift. You know, the ladies came and gave the cloth. The men came and brought wood. Uh, the families came and said, here's the gold and jewels. Here's all that you need. They came and gave it publicly. And some of you are thinking, but doesn't God say that we're supposed to give in secret in our closet? And well, it's, Jesus said that because some people's hearts weren't right. They were doing it to get noticed. An offering like this, it's a movement within the body of Christ. So what is it here at Discovery Church that would be an offering? Well, things like we did with the refuge and with the fire relief fund. And, and now we're in this precarious situation as a church with, well, come September, where do we go? What do we do with our office space? God has blessed us. We've got some resources in the bank from the sale of our building. But to be quite honest with you, we could probably get a mortgage, but I don't know if we could pay the monthly payments if we bought something. We're just that small. Just a little bit too small. Maybe this is God's opportunity for you to step out and say, hey, I want to I make sure that we can now move into the next phase of what we're doing so that outreach doesn't suffer, so that we can do some things very powerfully in our community or make it possible for us to move into a new space. Or maybe there's a cause that we love here at Discovery Church that goes above and beyond your regular giving and we set it up and say, hey, you know what? Next month's offering is for this and you say, I'm gonna give above and beyond my monthly giving because I believe passionately that we're making a difference in what God is doing. It's our responsibility. Harriet Tubman, who was the person who started the Underground Railroad, was uh, born in 1847. And she was an escaped slave and she went from Maryland to Pennsylvania. She was able to escape from her slave owners and went to the free state of Pennsylvania. But the interesting thing about Harriet Tubman is, is that she went back into the slave areas, not once to, to, to bring her family out, not twice to bring her friends out, but 13 times so that she could go back again and again to give people an opportunity for new life. Harriet Tubman realized that she had to give back because of all of the freedom that she was able to receive by being able to escape and live in Pennsylvania. She and many others believed that it was her responsibility to bring people to freedom, to bring people to a place like the promised land as Moses did. And it's also our responsibility to bring people to a place where they receive the freedom that they need, the message of the gospel, that we bring people here so that they could hear about Jesus and all the wonderful things that he has done for us. That's what it means to give an offering. First fruits, they belong to the Lord. I don't need a word of the Lord in order because I got a verse from God. I don't need a voice because I got a verse. But an offering, it's a lifting. It's a giving of what's ours. Because we say to God, you are all I need. Every breath that I take, it's all yours. You have given me life. And I don't want to just give you a pat on the back and say, gee, that was sweet. Thanks, Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of um, the opportunity to give.
Lord, one of the things that changes us inside and has changed my heart dramatically is the, uh, the desire to give beyond my means because it forces me to put my trust in you. And Lord, as we think about what you've given us and all that the blessings that we have received and all of the ways in which you continue to walk with us and talk with us and keep us on the straight and narrow path and you provide for us in the future, help us to be as generous, as try to be as generous as you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.